Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Lori Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. And uh, joining me in studio, of course, is Jeff Olowski, and we got uh, Talladega in the books. Ricky Stenhouse, Roush Fenway Racing, once again, a Ford in victory lane. And you're not happy about it? It's Ricky Stenhouse. You know, show some love. At least it wasn't Kyle Busch. <laughs> I mean, you got to love variety. First time, you get to see Danica in Victory Lane. Yeah, the only time Smooching. she'll ever be there. Hey, come on now. She won a, a race. Once. Yeah, it wasn't in the U.S. Yeah, well, there you go. You know, usually I root for the underdog. I'm a yeah. big believer in, in cheering Is for the underdog. Is it a underdog. Ford thing? You don't like Fords or what? I'm a Harvick guy, so I'm forced to like Ford now. Okay. But, you know, my problem with the super speedway racing is that, yes, it's inches, door-to-door, bumper-to-bumper, and all that for, for three and a half hours. But I just find myself, and, and I hate doing this, but... I'm just watching it, and the tension isn't really there. All I find myself doing is waiting for the big one. Or you start listening to DW get all shook. Oh, oh you, know, geez, you know, it's like, come on. Just settle down, DW. You know, I the reason I sort of like the, uh, and I'm going to totally contradict myself, the reason I sort of like the, the super speedways, is that you see names that you don't normally see get top 10 finishes. Well, and, and this time was no different. Stenhouse, Eric Amarola, even though he failed inspection, uh, Menard, well, David Reagan. The one thing with Stenhouse is he was running up front most of the race. Yeah, absolutely. He was competitive. It wasn't one of these where he just he got a train, he was running 19th, and he got a train and came up on the outside, third roll, you know, type thing, and he blasted by everybody. There was a big wreck, and he came through the clouds and won the race. He was running strong all day. Their their super speedway uh, program is, is doing much better. I, I think there is, um, you know, I think for the whole team was running better. 
Um, uh, Trevor Bain was up there for a while, and then he had that big accident, of course. And we'll, I guess we, you want to talk about the big accident, or is it just? Uh, I don't know what there's, you know, what there is to talk about. It was just somebody, you know, zigged, and when they should have zagged, and you, you know, you had Al or uh, Almendinger, mm-hmm. you know, punting, and then boom, and then you have cars all over the place. Um, you know, Dinger's upside down. DW's freaking out. Just, I, I mean, these things are tanks. You know. Oh, I know. The big. I was more worried about uh, or, or Elliot or Elliot, especially anytime where a car is kind of up in the air, up on a wall. Your your the driver's compartment is exposed. Right. And I was more concerned about that than a guy sliding on his roof. Well, I yeah. mean, even back in the 60s, you can look at videos. If you go on YouTube or something, put in old, like old NASCAR crashes. There were, I mean, Johnny Rutherford, I think, slid down the whole backstretch at Daytona <laughs> in 1963. You know, I mean, it was no big deal. I mean, if crap comes in the car and that, but these cars are more sealed than they were back then. I mean, Rutherford has an open face helmet, his neck's exposed. He's sitting in a converted car seat, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. These guys, I mean, there's so much protection, as there should be. But, you know, like I said, when a car gets up up like that and you don't want anything, you don't want the roof to face traffic like that, then you get nervous. And I, I think that's – and there's nothing you can do. It's racing. But that if a driver's going to get hurt bad, I think in NASCAR, that it's going to be a situation at Talladega when a car does that. So I, that that I was a little nervous about. But cars cars came back down, and somebody somebody tweeted, "Oh, I thought they have flaps." It's it's not those were not aerodynamic flips. Those were physics, just pure physics. When you got a car doing that, it's gonna it. There's nothing you can do. No flap in the world. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, uh, Chase was definitely in a bad spot. But, you know, Danica, man, she took another, another super hit, yeah. hard hit. And The uh, yoga pays off. I, I guess. I, it's tongue-in-cheek, but it's true, though. I mean, the girl's in shape, mm-hmm. and she can take a hit. And, and I mean, that seriously, though, you know, I mean, that that really, really helps in case. I'm sure she felt it the next day. But that, that other hit that she took at Talladega, that was a harder hit yet. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, those harder. And then uh, the Ryan Newman later in the race, he took a hard hit. But I think, you know, paving paving that area at Talladega is, 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 has helped. Uh, you don't have the grass. You don't have cars flipping. I mean, cars are flipping all the time uh, back then. And uh, it, it, is, it is much safer. But, I mean, I'm happy Ricky Stenhouse won. Uh, I really liked Jamie McMurray as as a dark horse. Eric Amarola looked really good all weekend. I mean that win in the Xfinity race uh, looked good, and um, you know it was good to see. And bring uh, we'll we'll talk about this coming up next with Dennis Michelson. But Jeff Green was leading for a while. Yeah. So uh, in fact, I tell you what, let's let's go take a break here. And we're going to talk to uh, Dennis Michelson from racetalkradio.com and get his take on Talladega and then coming up uh, the race tonight at Kansas. Yeah, I can't wait. I love night racing. We talked about it last yep. week. Uh, and uh, in Kansas, you know, cookie cutter, but it should be a good one. Sounds good. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on 105.7 FM, The Fan. 
Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Center. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from racetalkradio.com is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Mr. Z-Man, always a pleasure to be visiting with you on a Saturday afternoon. And, uh, you know, we were talking before, Jeff and I, and, and and he's not happy with Ricky Stenhouse winning the race. And I said, yeah, it could be worse. It could have been Kyle Busch. But, you know, I, I, I love the underdog guy. And and I, I guess I guess he's a little frustrated by Talladega with the pack racing and that. I, I've said for years the one issue I had is that it would it's really hard to tell who's running really well until the end of the race because there's this ebb and flow of cars back and forth. But to give Ricky Stenhouse credit, he was running pretty good all race. He was always in the mix. It seemed like is 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 that what you were seeing? Oh, absolutely. And Rush Fenway Racing has actually been running pretty darn good all season long. So, yes, this was a surprise, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. getting his first win. But, hey, look at what you get from this. You get to see Danica Patrick finally making it the victory. That's what I said. Exactly. You know, I mean, there you go. You get a little eye candy if you're into that. But the yoga master was in victory lane. And and brought the dogs. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a class act. But, no, you know, Talladega is not real racing. Plate racing is not real racing. It is its own little hybrid. But that's no different than what we get at Martinsville. We get a different brand of racing. So, a few times a year, four times a year, it certainly is different. And it certainly is different at Talladega than it is at Daytona anyway. Um but overall, if you didn't like that race, if you were not entertained with the show that was put on, let's forget about it not being real racing and being, you know, this place racing packed stuff and everybody shuffling around and all that kind of stuff. Forget about that. Just look at it from an entertainment standpoint. If you weren't entertained by that, then maybe you need to take up Needlepoint or watch Bundesliga Soccer. That's all I got to say. So you honestly thought that the the race at Talladega was more entertaining than the race at Richmond? Yes, I do. Wow. Yes, I do because you had you had passing for the lead. You had strategy moves. You know, I I'm not crazy about the fact that at a track where famously you can go from 17th to first in five laps to win a race, like Dale Earnhardt Senior did years ago. I'm not crazy that at a track like that, we're talking fuel mileage and track position, but it is what it is, and it was an entertaining show. Richmond, we had more penalties than we had passes for the lead, and that's why I say, for my money, Talladega was a better show because it was more of what I expected. At Richmond, I expected a better show, and I just didn't think we got it. You know, But, uh, but Kyle Busch is right. You know, this was not real racing. Yeah. You know, the, the whole goal of racing is to get away from everybody. And in this kind of racing, if you get away from everybody by too much, the pack will eat you up. They'll catch you and they'll pass you. It is not real racing, but it's what we get four times a year. And based on what we expect from a plate race, is about what I expected. So I, I give it a good solid B-plus grade. 
I, I tell you, one race that I, I actually did enjoy, and that was the race on Saturday with Eric Amarola winning. I thought it was a, a neat neat win for the, especially that team. But one of the things that we brought this up in the first segment, I wanted you what you thought. Uh, Jeff Green was, of course, it was you know from pit stops, but Jeff Green was winning, was leading that race for a while. I thought, you know, I I was. <laughs> After the show, I had to get an oil change, and I'm gonna look up, and there's Jeff Green <laughs> in the lead. And then I looked down, I said, "Okay, must be a pit stop." Five minutes later, he's still in the lead. Yeah, plate racing is the great equalizer. Um, you see some weird things like that, and until the big wreck happened in the Cup race on Sunday, we had guys like Michael McDowell up front. You know, guys that you're not used to seeing up front were up front with a chance to win, and then the big one kind of took them out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of bizarre. Some of the things you can see at Talladega you're not going to see anywhere else, and that goes for the infield as well. Yeah, he led he led 17 laps, and I was like, oh, cool, Jeff Green. Because I mean, if you're if you're a kid, if you're a teenager, you're coming, you're 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 in high school, you're a new NASCAR fan, you're 16, 17 years old. To you, Jeff Green is all sucked, right? But I mean, there was a time when he was remember that Nestle Nesquik uh, car oh, yeah. he ran. It was that 99 or 2000. He dominated the old Bush series. And I think if I recall, Dennis, you can help me out with this. I think he won the championship with like three races to go or maybe even four. Yeah. And it earned him a promotion at a cup series with Richard Childress racing yeah. back in the day. So yeah, this is a guy that it, that was actually the old AOL car that he came to cup with, which really blows everybody's mind away. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's kind of strange when you see some of these guys that, never run up front and you see him at the plate tracks and everybody's going, Oh, that's the back marker. No, at one time right. he was a real threat to win each and every week. Well, even, even all his brothers, you know, Mark green, da uh, David green, you know, I mean, David green won a race at Milwaukee. Yeah. The, the green brothers are very talented racers, but they haven't had good equipment for yeah. at least 20 years. Yep. So, real racing returns this weekend at Kansas. What, what what can we look at at Kansas this weekend? Well, I think we're going to see a lot of single file, follow the leader type racing. That track is really, really fast. And at night, you're not going to see the cars slipping and sliding as much. So, I have a feeling you're going to see clean air is king, and you're going to see track position. You're going to see a lot of strategy to try to win the stages, and then to be there at the end. So, in other words, I think you're going to see a lot like uh, you saw at Texas Motor Speedway, and that is uh, not a great thing to be looking forward to, perhaps. And can Toyota turn this thing around? I think they will. I really do. Uh, in fact, I would think that Kyle Busch could be stronger, although the Penske teams are also traditionally good here. So, yeah. you know, maybe the Penske teams will ruin the parade for uh, for the Toyota boys. But what a strange turn of fortune because i think in the first 10 races last year they won like five or six of them and they are struggling compared to uh what you'd expect out of those teams yeah it certainly is and it, it, it's kansas it, it's i don't know i i've just never really embraced that track um it, it's i don't know if it's it, maybe because it's so clean 
so nice. It's, 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 it doesn't have that Darlington feel to it. You know what I mean? It's too pretty. Yeah. It is actually one of the nicest facilities on the circuit. And it's also, they manage the traffic flow better at Kansas Speedway than just about any other track. And it's really grown up. When that place first opened, when I went there to the very, very first race back in 2001, you were out in the middle of a field. There was really nothing out that way. And now the whole area has turned into a huge entertainment complex. And, of course, now with the big casino. So uh, that that track has been a real magnet for a lot of development in that uh, part of Kansas City, Kansas. Yeah, it certainly should be interesting to see what happens. I'll tell you what, let's uh, let's bring in Lori Monroe and we'll get her opinion on uh, are, are we actually coming to or coming back to real racing this weekend at Kansas? What says you, Dennis? Yeah, it's going to be a, a, an interesting return to real racing. And, uh, you know, this Mother's Day weekend stuff used to be uh, hands-off for many, many years. This used to be a traditional off-weekend NASCAR. And, of course, Darlington had a lot of success with yep. the Saturday night race, and now Kansas is getting their uh, spot with the Saturday night racing. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting race this weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm kind of happy we got racing this weekend because I, I wasn't looking forward to another off weekend. We got the trucks back in action. So it'll be exciting as well. Uh, you know, the, the truck series have, have been off for a long time, and, we got a, a really good race uh, last night out of those guys. So uh, a lot of fun uh, with the racing at Kansas Speedway. No, it's not going to be a short track. It's not going to be as exciting as we maybe want, but at least it's racing on a weekend. This is true. And then plus we got the Indy cars on the road course uh, coming up this afternoon at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So you're going to have to get your racing in today. When we return to the Vinyl Inspection Show, we'll continue on with Dennis and we'll bring in Lori Monroe and get their opinions on NASCAR racing this weekend coming up after this on The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM. The fan, Dennis Michelson, Lori Monroe, talking NASCAR with you. And Lori, I've got a very easy question this week for you. Two weeks ago after Richmond, I wasn't happy. This week after Talladega, I saw a lot of other people unhappy. The simple question for you, what makes a good race? What was wrong with Talladega and who was unhappy? People were complaining from Kyle Busch, where he says it's not real racing. Well, to... you know, it's again, it's restrictor plate racing. And the guys who do not finish up front or win or get wrecked are always going to be unhappy. It doesn't matter really what track it is. The guys who are winning are thrilled with the racing surface, with the competition, with the weather. They're thrilled with everything. The guys who are not winning aren't happy. That's how, that's all there is to it. Restrictor plate racing is sort of this not like anything else that they do all year long. And whether that's good or bad, I actually kind of enjoy it, mm -hmm. but I'm sure glad we don't have any more of it. That's almost too stressful <laughs> watching Talladega. Yeah, we can't hold our breath forever, really. So... Again, getting back to what makes a good race, yeah. would you prefer a great finish and some so-so racing the rest of the 500 miles, or would you prefer 
a boring finish, but a great, fantastic race the other 490 miles. Is there, it, it seems like as long as there's a great finish, everybody's happy. Yeah, and it's always what you last remember in a race, and it always comes down to a an incredible finish because you can sit there for a couple of hours just sort of biding your time, but that in itself gives you some sort of like anticipation of something good happening, even if something good doesn't happen. To me, there is no bad race. If you have a so-so finish like we've seen them finish in years past under yellow or something, it's never really that great. But I don't know. I, I, I just take it as it comes. I, I look at the entire race as a whole. If we get something spectacular at the end, then that's just the icing on the cake. But I think as a race fan, you have to come to realize that's not going to happen every single week. It's all different. Every week, one track to the next, you're going to have a different outcome. One thing was different is that the people from Alabama... Yes. The people from Alabama really made a lot of NASCAR reporters upset this week. Why? Because they all bought tickets to the race. Did you see how packed that place was? Nobody could complain about an empty seat this week at Talladega, Alabama. I think every time we say that word, it's going to go. Well, it could go on forever, but I think you can... One thing you can thank, and I know it's not the whole of the of the weekend, you can thank Dale Earnhardt Jr. Because I think his announcement of retiring got everybody wanting to go to Talladega to see him win because everybody assumes that he's going to win at Talladega or, or Daytona. So I think that probably added just a little bit of the, uh, of the attendance uh, factor. And not seeing him get a favorable call at either Richmond or at Talladega the last two weeks. Does that maybe get people to believe a little more that NASCAR is actually on the up and up? Because if it was rigged, he would have won two in a row. Yeah, we know that. If it was rigged, Dale Earnhardt Jr. would have won championships by now. But no, there's no favorites here. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Well, it's true. Just open. People just got to open their eyes. Well, for some people, that's pretty hard, but (laughs) not for the people of Talladega, Alabama. (laughs) It's on some kind of a voice recognition system. That's all I I got to say. I see that. Yeah. What a great race at Talladega, Alabama over the weekend. They're going to get the hook on you yet. I think they will. But it is time for us to step out, take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about this week's race at Kansas. You're listening to the Final Inspection 105.7 FM, The Fan. Don't go anywhere, Dennis. Keep going. Laurie Monroe, it is our favorite time of the day. It's time to complain. So we haven't had anything to complain about yet. Oh, really? Oh. Ah, yes. When the dog sings, you know it's time for a good still blowing. Laurie Monroe, can you explain to the folks in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and around the world on the Internet just how this all works? On the electric Internet, yeah. We have something to complain about every week when it comes to the world of racing. And we then take our frustrations out and blow up 
the still of whoever we're complaining about. So if you have a still you'd like to blow up, head over to racetalkradio.com. You can send us a message right from our website, and we can share your still blowing at the same time. So, Lori Monroe, do you have a still that needs blowing? I do, and I don't even know how to approach this because Dale Earnhardt Jr. is such a beloved member of the racing family. Absolutely. But there was an announcement that he and his wife are going to have some sort of a reality show. Oh, Lord. Next year about restoring a home, some dilapidated place. And I I just can't wrap my head around this guy who is a driver and will have been a driver next year. All of a sudden, some reality show star. It's like we couldn't even get Dale Jr. to make eye contact with anybody for the last 40 years. And now he's all over the place. It's just very strange. It's it's good because he's sort of come out of his shell. But I just don't really know if the world needs another home renovation show. And now starring Dale Jr. and Amy. Now, saying that, you know darn well I'm going to be watching it. And the timing of the announcement is very odd because you know this reality show has been in the works for a long time. So that makes you sort of think, well, back in January and February, when he was saying how he's going to see how the start of the season goes before he negotiates his contract and all this kind of stuff, if he already knew that this reality show is coming and that this isn't going to probably fit if he's racing. I'm just, I'm a little disappointed if we find that out. I'm glad you took it that direction because when I first heard it, I felt like I'd been had. I didn't even want to say that, but I felt like I'd been had. And I got thinking as the announcement was made, I, I guess I heard it on the radio. They talked about specifics as to what was wrong with this place. They'd have to handle electrical and plumbing issues. And I'm thinking, you were supposed to be off all last year with a concussion. You're out down there in Florida swinging hammers. What the hell's going on? Yeah, this is just, I, I just weird. It, it just seems odd. The whole thing just seems odd to me. Do you think this will in some way help to bring awareness of NASCAR to some more people? I mean, I just don't see the crossover. Yeah. I really don't, and I'm I'm really sick of the crossovers. I'm sick of racing crossing over into normal mainstream life. I'm sick of other drivers from other forms of motorsports allegedly bringing their entire fan bases over to NASCAR, yeah. like Ricky Carmichael and Pastrana. When the IndyCar drivers have come over, Montoya, we're supposed to get such an influx of brand new fans to boost the numbers. Did that ever happen? No. I, you know, do the math. I, I don't think so. No, I don't think it ever shows the kind of crossover that they're hoping for. And I don't care what it is. I don't care yeah. what the show type it is. You know, right now on Dancing with the Stars, a former Chicago Cub player is dancing and while he's being charming and everybody likes him and all that kind of stuff, I don't think it's going to get one single person who's not already a baseball fan to tune in a baseball game. It's not. All it's doing is bringing Dancing with the Stars more fans because I have never watched that show in my life until Michael Waltrip was on it. And after watching it, I thought, well, this is kind of fun. And then I watched it the next year because uh, 
somebody else was on that I was interested in seeing because, and I would have never even have paid attention before, but it doesn't seem to work the other way. All of the dancing with the star fans sitting in the auditorium or wherever they do it, or people watching on TV aren't all of a sudden magically NASCAR fans. There are some people that of course think, oh, you know, look at that's Michael Waltrip or back when Elio Castroneves won, you know, that I think he actually got a few more fans watching Indy, yeah. but yeah, maybe that explains Indy's resurgence. I doubt it. I just think it's a lot better racing right now. Yeah. And I don't think there's any real big crossover with that, but what it does do if is, is if this reality show is getting a lot of eyes other than NASCAR fans anyway, it's a great way to sort of sneak in the sponsorship deals and get those covered. So I guess there's some value there, uh, regardless of how it works. My still blowing is about the people that right after a driver wins a race at Talladega, unless it's Dale Jr. or another big-time name, it's always, well, he just got lucky. Ricky Stenhouse mm-hmm. Jr. isn't that good of a driver. He just got yeah. lucky. So if you're an established star and you win at Talladega, oh, that was an amazing drive. How did he get that done? But if you are getting your first win ever, oh, he just got lucky. It's Talladega. Yeah. And I got news for you, folks. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has been qualifying great at just about every track. Fourth this week at Kansas. He's been running in the top 15 at every track this year. Yes, there's a lot of luck that goes into a race at Talladega, but he didn't just get lucky. He's been racing a whole lot better because Roush Fenway has been a lot better this year. You have, absolutely. Yeah. So, but this week, Laurie, I'm not even going to throw it to you for the decision of the judge because your still is so unique and is right on the money. So I'm not even going to let you not have the win this week. I'm not even going to put it up to it to you as the judge. There is no doubt you had the best still blowing of the week. Wow. So General Mattis, do your thing. Bob's away. It's so good to get some support from the United States Air Force dropping the big bomb on the still. As a sidebar to yours, though, if one more person posts on social media that Danik is finally in victory lane, I'm going to hunt them down and kick them. Yeah, it got very old. It was very predictable. Yeah. And yes, I used that joke earlier in the show. But the great thing is... Oh my God, really? Yeah, the great thing is the dogs... We're in victory lane, and that's that always a fun. treat. Yeah. I've been waiting for that. That was fun. Lots of fun, but great to see, and it won't be the last time you see Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in victory lane this year, folks. I'm making that prediction now. Well, it is time for us to step out, take one more break, but we'll be right back to talk about Kansas and give you your NASCAR News of the Week. You're listening to The Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to The Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. More NASCAR coverage with Dennis and Lori. And Lori, it's that favorite race of the year coming up at Kansas because I just want to hear you say the title. Bowling. 
Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, it... <laughs> <laughs> I brought a casserole. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's our God-given right to not pass tech, too. Oh, that uh, gets us into our next subject. What a crazy day it was yesterday in the NASCAR yeah. world because 12 of the 40 cars in this race did not even post a qualifying lap in the first session, and 11 of them because they didn't pass inspection. What in the heck is going on in the NASCAR world? Well, this isn't the first time we've seen it this year, though. That's, That's the true. frightening part about it. What what the heck is the holdup here? Well, it's obvious that the penalties for not making it through tech, starting in the rear, are not enough to convince these guys to to go as close as they are on tolerances. But when 11 cars don't make it through tech in time for qualifying, which means they failed tech at least three times, it's just getting comical that the rules are that stacked. But I guess the the fast cars that did pass, they deserve to have that protection. And oh my goodness, the Fords were really quick. Five in the top eight, including Ryan Blaney with his first pole ever. Where was Stenhouse in qualifying? Stenhouse was fourth. Okay, I thought he should be up front. Another strong At the beginning of this year, I said he was going to have a breakout year. So I'm really glad that that's paying off. But the thing is, you could almost predict Ford doing better just because of the Stuart Haas connection this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there had to be some real big incentives for them to to walk away from Chevrolet. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it is showing a big improvement for yeah. all of the Ford yeah. teams. But good They've for Blaney. Good for Blaney. Yeah, very good to see. Well, in our NASCAR news this week, how about the sponsor logos from Carl Long's car being <laughs> removed? Because uh. apparently NASCAR didn't want a marijuana vaping company on. How did it even get to that point in the approval process that they allowed him on the car in the first place? Well, it was it's just a vaping company. It's not anything to do with marijuana, is it? Yes, it is. It's a marijuana what? vaping company from What's Colorado. Marijuana vaping. I thought vaping was just an electronic cigarette. It. This is electronic marijuana. What is electronic marijuana? That you smoke it in some kind of a, an electrical gizmo. I thought the vaping cannot... was just. It wasn't anything organic. No, it's it's just a an oil that you put in a device. Now I don't propose to be an expert on anything when it comes to pot. I'm happy you to say that. You damn schooled on it right now, Michelson. But I do understand the vaping You eating them concept. electronic cookies and electronic brownies now? Maybe some electronic brownies. But uh, okay. no, not at all. But uh, marijuana vaping company removed from Carl Long's car. And I still thought he owed NASCAR $200,000 for that juiced engine a while like five well, years ago the, the statute of limitations has passed or something uh maybe it's only when uh you know it's the go bowling 400 bowling. that you get away yeah maybe he brought a casserole i brought a casserole <sighs> yeah <Bowling>. also <laughs> also in the news a special ticket price at darlington what a deal you can get cheaper tickets to the Darlington Southern 500 if you live in South Carolina. If you live in South Carolina, you can get cheaper tickets. Okay. Yeah. 
They're giving their own residents of their own state a bargain this year on Southern 500 tickets. How about that why don't for they, loyalty? Why don't they just give everybody a cheaper ticket deal? Uh, I think that would fill the place a lot quicker. But uh, Not that that wouldn't offset the cost of your $810 a night hotel rooms and stuff, but still. <laughs> yes, very, yeah. very true. But anyways. You can't give everything away. That's very nice of Darlington to do that. Yep, special deal for the home state folks that nice. put up with all the traffic and all that kind of stuff. Also nice. in the news for the Coke 600, they have announced Bowling. their grand marshal of the, of the Coke 600. How about Channing Tatum as the grand marshal? You know, I don't have a clue in hell who this person is, but I assume it's an actor. And he or she has two first names fine whatever if this if this really makes nascar happy and they figure everybody's gonna tune in or attend to see this individual more power to them i'd just assume they get rin tin tin dusted off and waving a flag i think that would work better but here is what it is all about is he is an actor and i can honestly tell you folks i didn't even know whether it was a male or female but he is an actor, and he's playing in a movie that's about a fictitious robbery at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So this is the at whole Charlotte? plot. Really? Yes, this the whole plot of the movie <laughs> revolves around. Did they steal Robosaurus? That happened years ago. Come on, guys. Yeah, it's a, maybe they used. I'd watch Robos... if they stole Robosaurus. Ooh, I think you got but an idea. They already Robosaurus went through the Barrett Jackson auction five years ago. Yeah, and it didn't get good value, even though it started no. eating all the cars. It was so upset that it didn't get a good value. It well, just started, it started eating started all the old the Pratt cars. collection. That didn't go over well. No, you got to have better manners, Robosaurus. Better manners. At least for a bib when you're horking down $300,000 classics. There you go. Also in the news, <laughs> Sonoma Raceway set a participation record for their STEM challenge. NASCAR being really big about making this sport educational. A STEM challenge? A STEM challenge, as in like science, STEM cells? science, technology, engineering, math. S-T-E-M. Oh, I thought you meant like a STEM cell thing. Okay. Now, that would be pretty good, and that's from all the people that don't survive the Talladega weekend. They uh, do yeah. a stem cell uh, thing with them. But you oh. don't want their stem cells. If if no. you didn't survive the weekend because you are passed out in the infield, I don't want your stem cells. Pickled stem cells. It's I want not... the stem cells of the winners and the survivors. That's probably a smarter idea. Also in yeah. the news, Ricky Stenhouse's junior's win got him a little hug. Not from well, Danica. Like Ricky Stenhouse's junior gets a hug. <laughs> not not from not from Danica either. It's a new sponsor called Little Hug. So, Is it diapers? Uh it's some kind of a drink. Oh. I'm not really what sure what it is. Me? Probably pickles your liver. Uh, well, I don't well. want stem cells either then. <laughs> there you go. Well, Laurie Monroe, the go bowling 400 at Kansas. Who's your pick to win? I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. You're taking Kyle Busch. That's a strong pick. And I am going to go back to Kevin Harvick for the win. Thanks for tuning in to the you. final inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Milwaukee, start your engines. 
It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, IndyCar driver Sage Karam. Welcome to the show. Yeah, no, it's a really good deal, you know, um, to be coming back from my fourth Indy 500 and then my third time with uh, GRR, um, you know, that's always really good to uh, step into a team that you know all the guys already. It's the same exact crew as last year. So, um, you know, we all have really high hopes. And, uh, you know, we're all working really well together, having a good time. I was at the track today hanging out with them. So everyone's super excited. Um, you know, last year we had a really strong race going. Um, ended up hitting the wall. But, uh, you know, Dennis pretty much told me that day, he's like, you know, you're going to win this race for me one day. And, uh, you know, I want you back for next year. And, you know, we, we pretty much had the deal done, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty soon after that race. And uh, so that was good. But, you know, we didn't really have a have our main sponsor laid out yet. And we got Meekum on board this past week, um, which is really cool. You know, they're having the Meekum uh, auto show uh, coming up here in Indianapolis, um, you know, later next week. So, um, you know, that, that's going to be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to be able to go to that. Uh, you know, being a race car driver, I love cars and old cars and new cars, any any type of car. So, uh, you know, they handle some of the coolest cars in the world. So uh, definitely a really cool sponsor to be on the side of the car. It's, it certainly is. And uh, I, I do have to admit, I, I, I know Dana Meekum. Uh, I'm involved with the Harry Miller Club, uh, which he took over from the, the late uh, Dave E-Line a few years ago. And it's one of my labor loves uh, working with those guys and we do the vintage Indy cars out at the Milwaukee mile in July. And, and it's, it's the one week of the year he gets to relax. And Dana is one of these guys. He's, he's, you see him on TV on, on NBC and it, it's a pretty neat deal seeing those auctions and all over. I mean, he's in California, he's in Houston all over. And of course this month, uh, keen up in Indianapolis. So yeah, it's a pretty neat deal. Uh, having somebody like Dana Meekum on the side of a car, somebody that's uh, not only a gearhead, but he's also a fan of the Indi- Indianapolis 500. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll be out there with a bidder's pass, huh? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's cool to have somebody on the side of the car that really just appreciates racing and appreciates, you know, what the capability of what a car can do. Um, you know, so he's, he's super excited about it. I'm super excited about it. The car looks fantastic. Um, the dryer guys did a really, really nice job on the paint. Um, you know, just got to keep it shiny all month. And, uh, you know, I think it would look good in victory lane. So hopefully we can get it there. And, you know, you, you seemed, even though you come with a, uh, you know, I guess a ro- you can say a road racing background, but you, you, you've had your best result in an Indy car at Iowa, a short oval. 
and you ran really well last year, like like you were saying at Indianapolis. I was up in the media center in the second half of the race, and you were you were really getting you know the buzz was you know hey look at this kid go, and I mean it it, it must be kind of cool. You also have a couple wins at the Milwaukee Mile, I think, in uh, Star Mazda, and then also in Indy Lights. Is how, how how did that come about? Is this just a comfort level that you've developed over the years uh, with the ovals or? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I just took to him really, uh, really nicely when I first got on him, and um, I won uh, four races at Iowa and Indy, or Indy Lights, Star Mazda, USF 2000. Uh, I got third there in IndyCar. Uh, Milwaukee, I won Indy Lights, Star Mazda, both years. So I won three at Milwaukee, uh, third in the Freedom 100. You know, I not obviously ran well at a. Uh, Iowa, Fontana, I got fifth in IndyCar, and, uh, you know, so, yeah, the ovals, I've been getting my better results on, you know, I just think I need more seat time in an IndyCar if I'm going to do road courses and stuff to, uh, bring home those results, because, you know, those guys are just been doing them for so long, there's little tricks of the trade for those, um, whereas in the oval, you know, a lot of it comes down to car setup, and, and, uh, I just feel like I, I have a good feel for setting up a car on an oval, um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I've run well at all my Indy 500s, uh, you know, throughout all the, the whole month for each year and, you know, had some misfortune a couple of times. Um, but, you know, I've learned a lot and uh, I'm feeling the most confident I ever felt coming into an Indy 500 this year. And, um, you know, I think if we can uh, go all 200 laps and stay free and, uh, you know, I, I think uh, coming down to the last 20 laps or so, I think you're going to see the Mecham car running towards the front end of the field. So, um, you know, it, it was encouraging last year and I, and it hurt, you know, it hurt so bad to, to hit the wall one physically, but also mentally, um, cause you knew that you had a car that could win that day, but then, you know, you know, you got to wait a whole nother year for your next shot at it. So, um, I'll tell you, I've been counting down the days ever since that day, <laughs> uh, to get back in, to get back in it and get another shot at it. Talking to IndyCar driver, Sage Karam and the great Midwest bank hotline. And while your daytime job is is a pretty neat deal, you you, you drive a, a, a really cool looking Lexus in the uh, in, in the IMSA series where uh, Paul Genalozzi and Scott Pruitt's involved with that team, and and that's a neat deal. How how is it working with those guys? You know, Paul Genalozzi's been around for years, Scott Pruitt's been around, and then you have Jack Hawksworth also on the team. Uh, how, how's that going this year so far? You were just in, I guess, in a Circuit of the Americas last weekend. Yeah, we were. Um, I'm having a lot of fun. I love it. It's, um, you know, this is my first time being full-time again since Indy Light. So, um, for me, you know, racing full-time is just always uh, a great feeling. And um, to be a part of a, an organization uh, like Lexus and, and 3GT Racing, um, you know, in, in itself is, is pretty amazing. But then to be uh, alongside a driver like Scott Pruitt, you know, sharing a car with him, um that's just a whole nother level of amazing. And, uh, you know, the dude has so much knowledge and I learn from him every single time I get in the car and he's in the car and, uh, I, I've been picking his mind all year. And, um, it's definitely a big transition, you know, coming from an open wheel background to a, a big heavy GT car, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's front engine. I've, you know, I've never raced a front engine car before until this year. So, um, you know, that was a big, big transition for me and I'm starting to figure it out starting to figure it out you know it's a new car so it went through its hiccups early on but uh you know we're starting to finish races now with no problems and uh 
you know, we just got to start figuring out the car a little bit more to get the, the max speed we can get out of it. And, uh, you know, it's getting better every weekend. We got ninth down at uh, Coda, um, which was a pretty decent result. You know, we hope for a little bit better, but, uh, you know, I feel like every weekend the team just gets better, the drivers get better, and uh, it's only a matter of time before we're on the podium. Yeah, and you're, you're a former wrestler. Um you know, IndyCar drivers are probably next to, I guess, Formula One. You got to probably be in your is probably tops for for being fitness. And here, here you are. I mean, you're only 22 years old. I, actually, I thought you were a couple years older, but you've been running so long, and you started so at such a young age. You know, the wrestling thing and everything has that trans. Is there anything you can pull from that into your racing career? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's more mental than than physical. You know, obviously when wrestling season would end, it end, you know, in March and I'd be going usually to do my first races in March. So I'd be in great physical shape going into the season. Um, but as far as mentally, like wrestling is one of those sports where it's just you and another guy out there and nothing else, you know, between you guys. And, uh, you know, it teaches you that no matter what, it, it all comes down to you, you know, it, you could be at a breaking point and you can choose to break and you can choose to quit or you can choose to pick yourself up, you know, and keep going. And it just teaches you how to how to be so mentally tough out there, no matter what, when your back's against the wall, uh, you know, making weight and everything, not only for yourself, but for your team. Um, so, you know, it just I, I just think it taught me a lot of life lessons as, as far as on the mental side of, of things and being mentally tough. And in racing, you know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong in a race, but at the same time, it can all change in, in an instant where – you know, you could have a bad pit stop and you can't get down on it. You can't get down on your team or, you know, you could take a front wing off, but, you know, you never know what's going to happen with how yellows fall and fuel strategy and everything like that. So, you know, you could be down, but you're never out. And, you know, I just think wrestling's always taught me just don't let things get in your head and just never quit. Well, Sage, we certainly appreciate you taking time out and uh, chatting with us today, and we look forward. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see you on this weekend uh, during the Mecom auctions on uh, on the NBC uh, cable network. And uh, keep in touch, and best of luck, especially this year in the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Sage Karam, driver of the Dryer Reinbold Racing and Kingdom Racing, uh, Mecom Auctions Chevrolet, they'll be running in the Indianapolis 500 this year. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on The Fan. to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. And it's, of course, we're doing this all month long. We're doing some Indy 500 trivia, and we're using uh, Patrick Kennedy's book, the official Indy 500 trivia book, which is available online 
and at the museum at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And Pat Kennedy is a good friend of mine, and I hope to see him this month soon. Uh, we're going to play some trivia or stump the Schwab or whatever they call it. So Stump the Z-Man. All right, what do we got here? All right. Who was the first Englishman since Graham Hill in 1966 to win the 500? Was it Kenny Brack, Eddie Cheever, Nigel Manziel, or Dan Weldon? It was Weldon, no, 2005. You, you don't have to do the multiple choices. Just give me the question. Oh, feeling confident yeah. over there. Well, I haven't stumped you yet, so uh, I would be too. All right, after eight years of trying, which driver finally qualified for the race in 1976 and finished 25th? In 76? 1976. And after how many years? Eight? After eight years. He okay. uh, qualified for the race in 76 and finished 25th. I think... There's a couple of drivers like that. You know, we always talk about it's so you know, you know, you got the old now we got thirty three cars for this year. The field is pretty much set. So qualifying is just we gotta see how they're gonna line up. There's no bumping. There's a lot of people that miss out on that. It's a different series now. The money's not there as it used to be. So you'd have these guys. It was really tough to get into the Indianapolis five hundred back then. Guys would toil on for years trying to get in. Uh, and I'm going to guess one of these guys is, I think, it's going to be Al Laquesto. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, you're like an encyclopedia. Okay. Al, Al Laquesto was from East Eaton, you know, Easton, Pennsylvania. Neat guy. And he, he brought some crap boxes, I mean, early on. And he was, him and his dad uh, had some money, not a lot of money. They were not rich in, in, by any means. But in 1973, as believe in second weekend in qualifying, they bought a, a year-old Penske McLaren. And Penske Hutch actually helped him kind of set the car up. He should have made the race. He actually hit the wall. Right. He screwed the pooch. They came back the next year in 74. There was a lot of controversy that year. If you remember, that was the fuel crisis. Even though where they ran on methanol, the Speedway didn't want to extend qualifying to two weeks back then, so they only had one week, and there was some rain involved, and a lot of people were left on the outsides, and he was one of them. 75, I think he got bumped, and then 76, finally, with that same car. So this is a car that it's, it was a 72 McLaren. It had some updates, but finally, after in its fourth year, he finally made the race then. And then I think he made the race the following year, too, and I don't think he made another race after that. Although he tried, he ran Indy cars off and on until 1982. Um, wow. When, and then, uh, sadly, he passed away in 1991. Uh, he was flying a twin-engine plane, and he did a, a little bit of an aerodynamic maneuver with it, and the <clears throat> the wings fell off. Oops! Yeah, yeah it's quite the one. It was, and they could tell that when the FAA, you know, they found this plane, twin-engine plane, where the wings right aft of the, or you know, outside of there was no wings, and then they found them like two miles away. So they wow. figured, oh yeah, he did something, and the wings fell off. <laughs> Not a good way to go. No, no. Well, let me throw you a cupcake here. Uh, Danica Patrick's hometown is. Uh, this is yeah this is a milwaukee mile thing <clears throat> when when danica was hot i mean hot hot and we're you know we're trying to create publicity she was actually born in beloit wisconsin and but she lived in roscoe illinois okay so which is right across the border so 
we we did a thing where you know Wisconsin owned you know Wisconsin's own Danica Patrick born in Beloit Wisconsin that's what we would put on the PR especially in 2005 after she finished fourth at Indy but she was no she was a Bears fan she wasn't a Packers fan she no she was kind of she kind of reluctantly went along with it with us but it was no she's she's from Illinois okay yeah. Uh, in Dick Simon's last Indy 500 in 1988, how old was he? Oh, I should know this one because I was at a dinner with him. Um, and we're probably going to have Dick Simon on the show uh, in the next month or so. Um, I want to say he – now, he cheated. He cheated on his birth certificate, he told us. Uh, because AJ Foyt was always listed at the old, as the oldest, but it, and AJ was really pissed at him off that because he knew Dick was older. But um, I want to say 58? 55, the double nickel. 55 he was? Yeah. Oh, how old was he? Yeah. Oh, he wasn't the oldest. No, but he was old. Yeah, okay, yeah. He was 55 and 88. Yeah, okay. I screwed up the math. He's now 83, and he could probably outrun us. If 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 we had to have a race like in the parking lot around, mm-hmm. you would you would easily beat us probably. Wow. The guy's in phenomenal shape. This guy used to be a, a professional skier. Uh, par- he was parachutes. He he did. He was in it, he was briefly arrested because they thought he was DB Cooper, which is one of the reasons why I got to get him on the the show. <laughs> I mean, this guy has led an interesting life, and he runs a yacht business in Southern California. Wow. Yeah, neat guy. Nice. Now, didn't have the best success in Indy cars, but he is a he was an asset to the sport. He was great for sponsors, and and just a just a neat guy. When when you hang around, you the energy level, your energy level is raised is raised when you're with him. He's one of those guys. That's awesome. In what year was the original golf course opened? The course offered nine holes inside the yeah. track and nine holes east of the backstretch. That's kind of tough. I don't, it's, was it post-war? That one I'd see golf course. I'm a little sketchy on. But I, 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 if I would guess, I'd say 1947. 1929. 29, okay. 29. Okay, you got me on the golf course. Come on, give me some <laughs> Come on, give me some racing stuff here. Hey, I'm, I'm grabbing at straws here trying to uh trying to Give me some older stuff you. here. Uh, okay, in what year was the original Speedway Museum opened? Oh, that's interesting because it's not where it was now. The new one was opened in 76, I believe. The old one was right at the old where the roundabout is now at 16th and Georgetown. Um, I want to guess 50... fifty-six or 57? Right, one of them. 56. 56. All right. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. Who was the flag man for the early 500s? Is it Seth Klein? It is Fred Wagner. Oh, okay. Pop Fre- Wagner. Fred. Fred Pop Wagner. Ah. Okay. Seth Klein came after him. Okay. In what year was the formation of three cars per row initiated for the start of the race? That grid lineup remains today. Oh, that's a good one. Because they initially, the first year, they actually the first couple of years, they did them by entry. And if you look at the first 1911, if you look at the starting field, they start 
the the numbers were with their starting positions. Like with the Yankees, you know, the yeah. Yankees did their starting. That's why Babe Ruth was number three because mm-hmm. he batted number three and Lou Gehrig was number four. It was kind of like the same thing at Indy where the front row, I think they started five abreast back then. And it was actually the J.I. Case cars were the first ones. Wow. J.I. Case from the tractor people from Racine actually had an Indy car team. And they were in the first Indy Lampus 500. That's awesome. But going back to that, oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say, I'll say 1919. Uh, close, 1921. Okay. 1921. Okay. Let's find another uh, hard one here. <laughs> Who was the second woman to drive the pace car to start the Indy 500? Wow. A woman drove the pace car? Oh, Lindsay James. This is like, the second yeah, I woman. Hope she doesn't hear this. The second woman. Um The second woman. Oh, um, okay. It's the um she was on the Today Show. Yes. Um uh Cancer Survivor. Yes. Um I can't think of her name. Robin Roberts. Robin, Robin Roberts, yeah. Okay. That's it? Oh, one more, one more quickie. One more quickie? Yeah. All right. For the first race through the 1956 500, there was one pace lap prior to the start. In 1957, a parade lap was added to the pace lap. In what year was a second parade lap added to the pace lap prior to the green flag start? Uh, 58. Is that your final answer? Yeah. I don't know. 1974. 74. Okay. Yeah. Parade lap. That's what you get me? Come on. <laughs> we need personalities. I stumped you on a couple yeah. of them. <laughs> Speaking of which, I like to think uh, last week I was able to do that event in uh, Chicago with Donald Davidson, historian of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, it was a great event with Paul Hall, famed driver Paul Goldsmith. I like to thank uh, Linda Darrow and the whole Merpa group. Merpa Bunch, the Midwest. Um, they just changed their name. I always forget it. It used to be the Meadowdale International Raceway Preservation Association. Now they changed the Midwest something. So I apologize about that. But yeah, I'd like to thank those those guys for their hospitality, along with the Collector Car Garage. Uh, great group down there. Beautiful cars. Oh, Jeff, you should have seen these cars I down bet. there. Beautiful cars. Just you'd be drooling over them. So nice group down there. All right. When we come back, we got more coming up on the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. It's beautiful weather. Make sure you get out there this weekend. And, of course, our friends at the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Center on the web at MILWCAR.com. All right. Hate to throw you a curveball, Mr. Z, but let's get Sparky's take. Sparky, obviously, from the big show, Mondays through Fridays, 2 to 6, right here on The Fan. Time for another edition of Sparky's Take here on Final Inspection. Who really thought Ricky Stenhouse was going to win a race this year? Not this guy. Nope. Saw him on the pole position for last weekend's race, laughed, and said, yeah, he'll be taken out in a wreck probably in the first 100, 150 laps. He'll never make it to the end. Definitely didn't see him winning a race, but that is why we love super speedway racing because anybody, even him or Danica, could possibly win a race at the end of the day, and that's exactly what happened with Ricky Stenhouse. In other news, away from the track, Dale Earnhardt Jr. 
He's got himself a TV show coming, it sounds like. It's going to be a, kind of like a fixer-upper TV show. A do-it-yourself TV show. He's going to get his hands dirty. That's good. A lot of people will watch that because it's Dale Earnhardt Jr. So at least he is getting ready for his next career uh, in that type of reality TV world. We'll see how it goes. I'll be watching. I can promise you that. That'll do it for Sparky's Take here on Final Inspection. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers. On the web at milwcar.com. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Davey Ray, midget car driver from Indiana. Welcome to the show. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's... I, I actually should say from Iowa, but you're living in Indianapolis, uh, and you you kind of have a you're you've been brought up in the sport, I guess, as as a lot of us were. And and, and how does Davey get started in uh, racing midgets? Well, my dad always raced midgets for many years, especially up at Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. There, and uh, I bugged him for a lot of years to try to get me myself a ride in his car, and after. Quite a few years of bugging him, he finally let me run a little bit when I was about 18. So that's how it all got started, but definitely around it my whole life. And uh, you're coming off a big win in Kokomo last week, and uh, must be kind of cool. You know, it's already we're we're in May, and you already have two wins. You got another win in Montpelier. Uh, tell us how that came about. Well, the local tracks here in Indiana have been adding in uh, quite a few midget races because there are quite a few cars around here with nowhere to race. So we thank them for their efforts. They were a couple non-sanctioned races, but they drew over 30 cars both nights. And uh, we ended up winning both of them there and felt pretty good about it. They had some pretty heavy hitters both nights. And... uh, Outside of it not being a national USAC race, there were still some really good cars, and uh, we came out on top. So thanks to all the guys there in Indiana putting us at their tracks, and I think we put on a good show. And it's kind of interesting because you, you run uh, an engine that your dad built, and, and tell us how that came about. It's it's not it, it's based on what type of engine now? Uh, it's a Mopar. Um, we've been doing a lot of engines for quite a few years, even back to my uncle Mark building engines for us. My dad built the chassis. Uh, even before that, my grandfather built all of his own engines in the stocker days, early fifties. So it's always been in my family, but over the last couple of years, we, since our move to Indianapolis here, we've acquired a lot of machinery and we've built a nice shop here and. Uh, really kind of escalated our our business and gained quite a few customers here now. So we feel real good about what's going on here, and we offer a, what we feel is a really good service. And a lot of our customers are getting results, and uh, our Mopars are certainly strong right now. And thank my dad for all the hard work there, and we're going to continue to do some more. So if I'm a kid uh, coming through go-karts, and, and whatnot, and I want to get into more of a of a 
and get into a car, not really sure where I want to go and I want to try midget racing, I, I could certainly talk to your team and about a customer car, correct? Yeah, we do run a few rental cars throughout the year. I've got um, a pretty good program going on for Chili Bowl and half of the last couple of years. And uh, we've got a couple guys coming over from Australia to, to run here in July. And we've got some room for some more throughout the year. Um, but primarily right now I'm, I'm focused on my team uh, with our cars and, and me driving them. We've got a sprint car going together here that should make its debut very shortly. And uh, we're still hustling with the Silver Crown cars, so we've got a long way to go there, but we're, we're working away. And then Australia, you know, you're 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 not Bob Tatterson in Australia, but you're 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 pretty well known there, aren't you? <laughs> I guess that's what they say. <laughs> yep, we've taken quite a few trips now. I think I'm up to 19 trips total. 19. That's a lot of that's a lot of flight time. Yeah, some of those are in the same year, like back and forth, uh, going over twice. But uh, there's quite a few of the big races we hit over the years and um one in particular was the magic man race in perth western australia a race that's in memory of michael figlumini we're fortunate enough to win that uh four times in a row and uh biggest paying race in all of australia and then uh of course we won three australian titles where uh all the guys come together to run against each other so i feel real good about that we met a lot of great people from coast to coast over there and every year we look forward to going back yeah it it seems like you know you you look at the the world of outlaws for the last 20 years and that and there's a lot of australians that come over here in the summer that race and it, it seems like the australians have really embraced the sprint cars and and, and midgets over there haven't they yeah they have and you know it's a little bit different than it is here in america like Australia has uh, their V8 supercars as primarily their premier division, I would say, but uh, one of the bigger crowd numbers is certainly midgets and sprint cars in Australia, From again, from coast to coast. There's a wide fan base there, uh, quite a few top-quality cars and professional race teams that run sprint cars, and uh, I think, well, because of the economy over the last several years, you've seen a lot of guys uh, venture over here to get some experience during their off season and vice versa. So it's really escalated the, uh, the talent pool, I would say. And, uh, some of these young guys that can race year round have really got a lot of, uh, seat time and experience to boost their careers in a hurry. Yeah. It seems like midget racing is a, there's always complaints about it's too expensive and whatnot, especially on the engine side. Is there, you know, we see what, what, what's going on with uh, Angel Park Speedway and Badger Midget where they, they've gone uh, in a different direction. Is there, there, there's no magic panacea. Is there, there's no magic pill out there. I mean, if, if you're Davey Ray in charge of midget racing, what, what kind of changes would you make? Well, I, completely honestly, I really don't have the answer to that. Uh, it's moment. not an easy um, one, that's for sure, yeah. No, and, and if there was a quick and easy answer to that, I think the larger sanctioning bodies would already embrace that and and knock it out and and uh, have a solution to that real quick. But, you know, really there's – some of it is a, 
uh, disillusion with some of the people that really think, you know, certain cars are unbeatable and they see, you know, the high class teams rolling in and winning a lot. Um, but you know, they're at, they're at a majorly professional level right now. And, and, uh, some of the other professional teams have gone away over the years, like, mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Lewis and Don Fike and some of the others that really were a thorn in their side. And, uh, you know, it's just a conglomeration of things that have happened over the years that have really put it where it's at today. But, you know, we've seen last weekend um, from the Power Eye races, I believe, uh, uh, one of the Clausen's cars run, uh, won a race, and then also a Tyler Thomas won a race against all the, you know, factory teams and such. So, We've won a, a couple against the factory teams and some of the regional races. So I think it's just coming to the point where everyone has to pick their game up in order to, to win. And a lot of that is hard work. And a lot of that is financing. But, you know, midget racing is, is kind of been a sport of kings over the years. So if, uh, if you want to play the game, you got to ante up. And you've assembled a pretty neat team over there. Who's some of the guys that have been helping you out this year? Yeah, we do have a great team here. I, first and foremost, mom and dad put up with a lot of my, you know, stuff here, uh, working hard all day. And my dad is a big part of that. My mom is. Uh, however, we've got a couple uh, guys that are back in the game again. Uh, Herb Engelhardt has definitely picked up our program a little on setups and shocks and things like that. And definitely a help at in the shop during the week. On Wednesdays, we always get together. And, of course, going to all the tracks with us. And just this week, we got my buddy Doc Tyler back, which is always a fun time. He's a major help. And uh, you never know, we always have a few surprise visitors here on Wednesday and sometimes Saturdays, too. So uh, we're just having a lot of fun right now. We're working hard. And uh, we're getting some results. And uh, where, where's uh, are, are you going to be coming up to Wisconsin at all this year? And where's if uh, some some of the fans want to see Davey run, where, where where can we see you run? Well, I certainly would love to do that. Uh, at the time, there's only one you know midget race that's scheduled at Angel Park where I could run my cars, and that's mid July, I believe. But I'm um, I'm not certain whether we're going to hit that or not. Right. Right at the moment, we're focused on some of the national USAC stuff and uh, also campaigning our, our sprint car here that we're not quite finished yet. So there's a lot of work to be done as well as maintaining our business that's going really well right now with the engines. So, you know, I'd, I'd really love to get back up there. My heart is still at Angel Park Speedway where I grew up watching excellent drivers before I even drove. And it produced quite a few real good talents. And most of my fondest memories have definitely come from there. Um, But I'd sure like to see it packed full of 50 national midgets again. Well, Davey, we certainly appreciate you taking uh, time out today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the racetrack later this summer. Will do. We'll see you then. All right. Uh, USAC driver Davey Ray in the Great Midwest Bank Hotline on the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Centers on the web at MILW 
C-A-R.com. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. As we get ready for tonight's Go Bowling 400, the NASCAR race out in Kansas, let's hear from the pride of Emporia, Kansas, Clint Boyer. Joined now by Clint Boyer, driver of the number 14 Mobile One Annual Protection Ford for Stuart Haas Racing and the pride of Emporia, Kansas. Clint, you had a fun event out here yesterday where you're uh, teaching teens uh, the, the art of safe driving. Was it do what you do or do, uh, don't do what you do? No, I thought it was a, you know, Doug Herbert started that brakes program uh, years back. Um, you know, I was always a big fan of his. He was always a lot of fun and tragically lost uh, uh, his two sons in, in an accident. And just love his message. I love that, um, you know, the program that, he, that he's pushing uh, to keep these kids driving safe keep them focused on on uh, safety behind driving and starts at that early age so um you know i was, i appreciated mobile one and their annual protection program that they're pushing uh, to sponsor that event for those kids we had a lot of fun and it's 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 so fun it works the program really works i mean here's these kids with uh i think they had to have 30 hours of driving obviously i already had their license um put them through a, a few courses just you know threw some things at them, you know, driving down the road and, and, you know, all of a sudden a surprise, maybe it's a, a tire blows out and it's in the road or something runs out in front of you, you know, d do some exercises like that to see how they react. And then we had like a swallow course set up where you're having to kind of dodge some obstacles as you're going through and, and all of them run over the cones, the poor, we had a little old man set up that you had to stop for before you got to it. We run over him a lot. And then uh, um, by, the, by the time it was all said and done, you know, they were, they got better at it and, and I wouldn't let them out of the car until they had it perfected. And it was, it was, you know, it was pretty gratifying, really. Good deal. We'll open the floor for questions. If you have a question for Clint, we'll get a microphone to you. We'll start with Randy and then go to Jerry. Hey, Clint, Randy Kovitz. I don't want to start with this one, but I will. <laughs> we, we, we know what's happened over the last few years with the different teams and, and, and all, but it's 159 races now. Just, just, just. How is that gnawing in you? And, and uh, it, it is, but uh, to be honest with you, you don't even think about that. You think about, you know, the winning. You know, I don't, I don't really, I don't, I never think about how long it's been. I, I think about um, how you're gonna, how you're gonna get it done. You know, and you, and you have that thought process um, through the week um, as you're going through competition meetings starting Monday. Um, through your conversations with the crew chief all week long and, and you know the biggest thing is is you're you're lined back up with an organization that's capable of doing that um, you know that's 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 item number one you, you know with a manufacturer that that's capable of doing that and is winning races and, and competing at the highest level um, each and every week you go to the racetrack knowing you're going to have a chance at, at winning the race so all the past, all the stuff that's happened, it's just, it's, it's the furthest thing from your mind because you're back to having fun and you're back to, um, you know, sitting in equipment capable of, of winning these races and competing at the highest level. Go to your back right to Jerry, then up front to Todd. Jerry Jordan, KBTires.net. I guess that, uh, that stuff with the kids kind of got you a little bit prepared for what's coming down the road uh, with, you, with your own. Yeah, uh, well, it certainly gives you a different outlook, you know, having kids and, and you know, reading about those programs and understanding them and then watching those kids go through them 
being a parent, it definitely changes it. Along those lines, uh, I've been asking drivers about their moms and what they're doing for this weekend, but what about Laura? What are, what are the plans for, for your little ones and you uh, for, for Laura? Uh, coming That's a week? little different uh, caveat than, than I'm, I'm accustomed to. You know, it's, <clears throat> it's always mom, you know, uh, my boy or, um, that you've always thought about, and now you, you have uh, mom that lives with you. So, um, you know, we had a great week. I think it was a – call it a mother's, mother's week – um, we took the, the family and just kind of road tripped it in the bus, uh, you know, stopped in Memphis, went to the zoo, um, which I'm sure she wanted to do that. I thought that was exactly what she wanted to do. And then we went to big Cedar lodge over there that Johnny Morris owns and, um, swam in the pool for cash, which I thought that was exactly what we wanted to do. And then we, uh, had a cabin where she slept in one bed with the baby and I slept in the other with cash. So surely that's what she had in mind for a mother's week. That's that's family living, right, at its finest. Hey, Clint, Todd Palmer, Kansas City Star. Uh, kind of piggybacking off Randy's question, how how close do you feel like you are to getting a breakthrough back to victory lane? Well, I mean, you look back, uh, California, was it's always been a good track for me. I like it. Uh, we run third there. Um, showed some some potential, um, you know, in Bristol. I mean, had had I got out in front of the 48, I'd have won the race, you know. So we're knocking on the door. We're not knocking on the door enough. You know, last week we led some laps and, and um, you know, showed potential again. But uh, uh, we, we just, you know, it takes the whole package. you got to put it all together. Um, but it all starts with consistency, running up front on a consistent manner, week in and week out. We've, we've got that good baseline established. And that's with no notes, no nothing to, to work with, no uh, experience with one another, no communication. You know, we're learning all those things, and you can see it getting better week in and week out. Um, you know, wh where you get excited is going back to these tracks for the second time where you have that notes, you know, that notebook established and uh, that line of communication down where you can go there and know what to expect and, and capitalize and, and better your position. And in some of those races, a better would be a win. Go to Chris and then the lead. Nightcatchtrends.com, Clint, since Daytona, you've finished every single lap in every race since then, uh, and obviously can, can kept the consistency model. How important is that as you guys try to race your way into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you've got to, you, again, you've got to start that baseline and get that established, and, and uh, you know, I feel like we have that. Now it's time to... Uh, to, to better that and, and get into the top fives and get more stage points and, um, you know, lead laps. I mean, that's, that's, you have to lead laps to win these races. You can't just be, uh, uh, you know, an eighth place car and you have to get up and lead laps and, and, you know, we need to get a couple stage wins. You know, we, we have to have that, um, going into the playoffs. Do I think we're going to make the playoffs? Yes. You know, I'm not saying that uh, arrogantly or, or cocky. We just, I, I do. I feel like we're a team that's that's going to be in that uh, one way, shape, or form. Whether we race our way in or, or win our way in, I think we're we're capable of doing either. LeeSpencerMotorsport.com. What do you think it is about Kansas Speedway that just is? I don't know. It just hasn't been one of your best tracks, and there's got to be a lot of pressure because it is your home track and. You know, you, we always hear about you, Carl, Jamie, being the guys here. And yeah. Is there a little bit of pressure, or what do you think? Well, a mile and a half repave's never really been my my strong suit. I mean, it just hasn't. It doesn't matter where it's at in the country. Unfortunately, it's it's uh, 
um, you know, been here. But in the last year, year and a half, two years, it's it's really uh, um, widened this track out. The outside groove has come in, and the racing has been uh, a lot better um, since that first race. It always gets better. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and the biggest thing is it's just – you don't even think about that anymore. You don't think about your past. Everything is, it's like a clean slate. Every time you go to the racetrack with Mike and all the guys on a 14 car, everybody at Stuart Haas, it's, it's been better than I've had. So there's no reason to think it's not going to be better this week. I know Mike was excited about the car. He worked, uh, he, he knows that this is an important one for me. He, he knows that, uh, you know, I need to run better on these, these types of racetracks. But looking back at uh, Vegas was solid. Um, Texas was solid. Atlanta was solid. I mean, we've, I think we, we can uh, better that and, 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 you know, be a part of the show here at Kansas. Additional questions for Clint? I can hear you. Back to the first streak. Big question. To end that streak here. I mean, what, what, what would that be to end that streak here? It would mom's Mother's Day would she wouldn't be proud of me. <laughs> if that was to happen, uh, I would probably wouldn't be in very good shape for Mother's Day. We might have to postpone that till Monday. Um, but uh, you know, it would be huge to be able to win at home. Um, you know, and 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 finally uh, seal the deal after all all this time. It would be be ultra special, but. I don't know that it would be any more special than the first time I ever raced here. I really don't. It's just one of the tracks that you, you've always wanted to win at. Um, all your family, your friends, people that helped you get to where you are today all live here in the Kansas City area, and it'd be cool to celebrate that with them. Go to your right, Delete. You, you talked about a fresh start being with you know your new team and what a great team it is. You think we'll get some of the old Clint back? You think we'll get that guy that just – you know, likes to hang out, have fun, and, and enjoy what he's doing on the racetrack. Lee, uh, I don't – have you been gone? Have you been missing? No. <laughs> I've been having a hell of a good time. <laughs> I, I've, uh, I started in Daytona having a good time. Um, you got to get on the fun bus. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.